0: Hey, welcome everybody to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. It is July the 21st in 2022. And unfortunately, I hate to do this, but I'm, I'm going to have to bring up an incident that happened yesterday because you're supposed to be getting the best of the news from the real estate world here. And, um, yeah, I got to do it. My name is Parker Bennett. And I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make, their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. In any industry, there's always unique individuals that kind of screw up. You know, they're not the norm. They're not a proper representation of the masses. Um, You know, sports athletes, professional athletes, occasionally they do things, you know, not all of them. Um, no doubt politicians get a, a bad rap and maybe for good reason I don't know, but when real estate individuals screw up uh you're gonna hear about it for sure and uh on social, if you're on social or if you uh watched the news yesterday or i mean if you had ears at all on what what's going on in the industry, um we had one individual uh agent real estate agent here. In Kamloops that, uh, that screwed up he, he did something that was completely inappropriate um, you probably saw it on the news took a swig out of a, a jug of milk putting his mouth on the, uh, the milk container in a pandemic mind you um, and slipped it back in while he was showing a house, you know, it wasn't even his clients but inappropriate behavior, yes Disgusting yes, um an appropriate representation of real estate agents in our market? Absolutely not. And um, uh, you know, that that individual will be reprimanded. Uh currently he's been suspended here from our uh local real estate brokerage, which will uh prevent him from doing any business in the short term. I don't know what's gonna happen on the long term. I'll keep you informed realistically would rather not talk about it too much it's disgusting and uh i feel like he will need to make amends somehow some way um but you know the reason i bring it up is i don't want i don't want <laughs> i don't want our industry to have this type of representation in social media you know the last thing we need is this kind of crap going on uh, giving the industry a bad name, a lack of professionalism—it's uh, definitely not a representation of the masses. I can 100, um, you know, back that claim up. Uh, but yeah, it was um, made the news. You know, like I don't want to say it went viral, but for Kamloops version of uh, a TikTok video, yeah, there was a lot of folks commenting on it. So um, gross. That's all I can say. Let's move on. Let's talk about something good. It feels like almost everywhere I go, and maybe you feel the same way, everywhere you go right now in Kamloops, it seems like there's a help-wanted sign. You know, me and my wife uh, went for dinner at uh, Original Joe's up in the Rexall complex uh, earlier this week. And uh, one thing that I noticed is I pulled in, I parked in front of the Starbucks. The Starbucks had a help-wanted sign sign. Um, Then I looked over at the Korean barbecue place and it had a help wanted sign. Um, There was a piece of joint there, help wanted sign. Um, Original Joe's was uh, a massive 30, 40 minute wait. Half the tables were empty and uh, they said that they were short staffed and they could only handle a very low volume of, of uh, dining uh, folks this particular night. And, you know, Dollarama, uh, the, everywhere I looked, there was a help wanted sign. It was funny because right across the street, and you, if you're familiar with Calumas, you probably understand the area that I'm talking about, uh, Rogers Way comes to the intersection of the uh, Princeton-Calumas Highway, Highway 5A. There's always panhandlers on that intersection. And there's even a sign that says that panhandling is like a conflict of bylaw. And yet there's, there's like less than 500 yards away, there's like 15 full-time jobs and probably like 20 part-time jobs available. So like what is going on? Like, and and I get that it's anytime there's an inflated situation, you know, we're, we're suffering from what the media calls an 8% inflation rate, but feels like it's a lot more in our area. Maybe that's stabilized and averaged out amongst some other places in Canada, but it feels like Kamloops, it feels like it's astronomically higher than that. Definitely real estate seems to be, you know, still super inflated and and we're probably coming off a little bit of a high, but what's so interesting is that when, when you look at all the employment opportunities, like in Kamloops, the one industry that there's more of than there was pre COVID is real estate agents. It's insane. We've, we continue to climb. The last podcast I had, I think I had 13 or 15% increase. Um, Looking at the stats today, we're up 65 real estate agents from pre-COVID numbers. So we're sitting at a 21% increase in agents in our market since pre-COVID. Like we're talking two years. And so, you know, I'm looking at the mindset of that. I, I get that coming into COVID, there was probably a perfect storm where... You know you maybe you you lost employment because you were in an industry that closed, and you were looking for opportunities um, looking around the, the only thing that was really booming through the first stages of COVID was was real estate, and that might have been just an easy solution to to go write the exam. Of course, it takes I don't know now eight, nine, ten, twelve months to to get your real estate license, and then by then you're you're in the industry, and everybody's coming in at the same time. So I took a good look at the numbers, statistically looking at how many sales, how many ends happened uh, through the course of the last uh, 10 years. And, And like realistically going back to like 2016, the numbers were pretty static. You know, there wasn't a big change in how many sales happened in Kamloops yearly. Like it was somewhere in the area of 32 to 3,500 sales units sold um, each year. And when you, once you get back further back like 2015, 2014, then the numbers start to drop. But you got to remember, there was like, we had a population boom in that era and we also were building houses, townhouses, condos. I mean, the condo market has really boomed here in Kamloops, which is, you know, there's two, three hundred units that are getting erected each time a building goes up, well, that's going to make a difference on how many sales happen. But realistically, like the number is pretty static. What's not static is the price, the sale price. So let's look at this strategically. So let's go with thirty two hundred as an average sales per year. You know, you were looking at something like pre-COVID numbers, There's like 20 ends per realtor per year, which is quite a bit. Actually, on average, if you looked at some of the other areas like uh, the lower mainland of Fraser Valley, I checked this number out years ago, it was way lower. So, you know, looks good on paper. Um, 3,200 deals, 3,200 units sold really creates 6,400 ends. So because you're doubling that number in, you know, it takes two realtors, you know, buying agent and a selling agent to, uh, to conduct a transaction. So looking at this, since the uh, influx of realtors through this uh, pandemic era, then the numbers dropped 18, just over 18 um, deals per real estate agent. Now that's not how it plays out though. You know, the 80-20 rule that we were taught as kids, you know 80% of the work is done by 20% of the individuals in the industry and 20% are doing 80% of, sorry yeah 80% of the work is happening by 20% of the agents 20% of the agents are doing 80% of the work and the and the, the 80% of the agents are just getting leftovers so how does that affect our market how does it look as a real estate agent i'm not talking about buyers and sellers and what's good for them. I'm just talking about like from an industry perspective, is it good? Is it bad? How does that play out? Well, here's my thoughts. I know this for a fact, the agents that are full-time that are here selling houses like Christmas Eve, you're writing an offer. Why? Cause you're an agent that conducts business and you do business all year long. You're not onesie twosies per year. Those agents typically have systems they typically have structured um, assistants that help them with the process, meaning keeping it easy, keeping it a production line, keeping the, the system of selling and, and buying a house strategic so you're not chaotic all the time. And these agents, do, they, they, might have a, they might have a limitation on how many deals they can do, but they'll never have a limitation on what the sale price is. So if you're an agent that can safely conduct five, 10 deals a year, that's what you do. If the market gets saturated with uh, sales, you're you're probably going to only do one or two more deals. You really don't have the capacity. If you don't have the systems, if you don't have the marketing strategies, and you're just not really not set up to do more work. So the agents that are conducting 70 and 80 deals a year, they're still going to do 70 or 80 deals a year or, or, or 90 deals a year if their systems allow them to add that extra capacity when the market's booming. But we've just looked at the stats. The market is booming because the sale price has gone up, but the sales in general, overall units per year, have gone up marginally. Not enough to you know, allow 65 more agents to do 60 deals each. So what's the outcome? I I think the outcome is, you know, in any industry, it's just the same for anything. If you come in with the right mindset and you got the right tools and you're willing to go get get shit done, you're probably going to leap your bounds into the industry and you're going to be part of it. But there'll probably be a bit of a die-off here, I suspect, seeing that the sales volume is dropping. Like just today, there was seven new listings today. Which typically on a daily, in in this market, I would expect, you know, a July time, 25 new listings a day. And I would expect 20, 25 sales a day. We had five. We had five sales today. What we did have the most of today was we had 14 price reductions. So that's telling you that that 3,200, 3,500, I don't know if we're going to hit those kind of sales volumes in 2022. We might we might, we might rebound. And I know we had a fantastic spring, Uh, you know, late winter was amazing. February seemed to be the peak. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where we play out, but do we have room for all these other agents? I don't know. I guess time will tell, but it's interesting that, that you can't get employment in, uh, you know, like there's so much available employment right now. And it's not just the restaurants and dollar store, market it's i mean it's everywhere electricians are like like short 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 supply builders are short supply framers are short, short supply i mean these are the things that affect us in our industry and um real estate agents hey numbers are up got me thinking though so we've got all these new agents in our market and um, you know they hit the ground running they 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 walk into this market thinking that what they've learned in their educational process to get in this industry should be enough to get them going. But I don't don't know if that's really the case. I feel like this is the case in most industries, but when I was a a home inspector, um, if you would have asked me what I wanted to be good at as a business owner, I would have said, I want to be good at selling home inspections because if I didn't sell them, I couldn't actually conduct them. So if you were a real, if you were a home inspector, sorry, and you were like, well, I want to be the, I want to be able to find the most deficiencies. You know, I want to be the private detective electrical. You know, I want to be able to be the king of termite finds. Well, that may be all and good, but if you suck at selling yourself, you don't get to conduct that business to anybody. So you're not really showing the world your capabilities. You're not really giving the marketplace your value. So the first thing you got to get good at is actually selling yourself and selling the actual home inspection so you can get the business. Then you can show them how great you are at being a, you know, a private detective going through a structure of a building. The same is sort of true with, with real estate. So I feel like selling, selling yourself as an agent is probably one of the most important features you can have as a real estate agent coming in. Now, when you take your course, they're going to teach you ethics. They're going to teach you, you know, the legal significance of a contract. They're going to really hammer down the professionalism of a real estate agent, which as we found out earlier today is, Some of us don't get it, but whatever. Um, They're really going to hammer home avoiding conflict, what a fiduciary duty is, what the privacy laws entail. But they're not really going to educate you on how to negotiate. You're not going to learn people skills. You're not going to learn how to problem solve. You're not going to learn communication skills. You're not going to be able to articulate anything. And, and I, I think the system, the process of, of selling or buying a home, you're not going to be able to, to learn those systems strategically to, in order to conduct like such an emotional and financial significant event that happens in one's life. So I thought I would break some of these down. Because realistically, these are the core skills that are going to make you successful in this industry. Negotiation. Not a word of a lie. There is not one component of that in, in, a, in it, from my recollection of, of the uh, real estate uh, uh, um, training that I went through to become a real estate agent. Don't remember it at all. And I, I don't even know how they would articulate that in a, in a book. But, you know, being able to read the ability to read people's body language and negotiation language and, and just being able to figure out what it is that they're after. You know, in some cases, in a lot of cases in this industry, when we talk about negotiations, it's like buyer says 400 is all he's willing to do. Oh, seller says 420, lowest he'll go. Guess we ain't getting it done. Yeah, I guess not. Unless you come down, unless you go up. That's not negotiating. That's not not problem solving. All that's doing is taking a stance that gets you nowhere. Doesn't help anybody. It doesn't get the deal done. Doesn't make a buyer move. Doesn't make a seller get paid. It doesn't put commissions in real estate pockets. It doesn't create vacation holidays for real estate families to go on. It doesn't do anything. It's useless. It's just a stance. And the ability to problem solve comes in problem solving practice. You need to take problems all the time and find creative and unique solutions to achieve the right outcomes. And there's a lot of cases in this industry where realtors, they avoid problems. That's, that's the key of the game. Hey, there's a problem there. Well, I, you know, this, this house will never work for you because, you know, it doesn't have the right layout. But it's the right price, Mr. Realtor. Yeah, but it's not going to work and we'll never get it for the right price. So, you know, let's go check out the next one. But maybe there's an opportunity there. You have to problem solve. You got to problem solve on every level. You got to understand, you got to understand what people are asking for. You got to understand what people are willing to give and you got to articulate the most creative structured process in your mind to continually to overcome problems. This industry is nothing but problems and successful agents find solutions and unsuccessful agents just see closed doors. I don't know where you get those skills outside of the practice of problem solving, but there's a gazillion books that'll help you. And, uh, I would suggest agents go through that process during their, uh, educational requirements to, uh, achieve realtor status. Communication's a big one. Um, it's tough. I, you know, I was sitting down having a beer with another real estate agent just last night and we were talking about. Agents that we like to do business with and agents that absolutely were terrible to to deal with. And as as an agent, you don't have a choice in who you get to deal with because if your buyer likes a house, you got to deal with that agent representing the seller. And so we were going through agents that we liked dealing with and ones that we didn't like dealing with it. And what was interesting is that it wasn't the agents that gave in that we liked dealing with. It was the ones that we could actually create solutions to the problems that buyers and sellers were having on putting a deal together. Those were the ones that we liked dealing with. And I mean, obviously there were some pushovers in there that were like, hey, these are great to deal with these realtors because they're a pushover and they'll, we'll just push, push our way through this process. But in a lot of cases, there are agents out there, super experienced veteran realtors um, that get problems and that get that just because the price ain't right and the layout ain't right and the conditions ain't right uh, to get a transaction fulfilled, we got to work on this. We got to put our heads together and uh, find solutions to get deals done. Um, The last thing I kind of wanted to mention was like systematizing, because I know if you're a buyer or a seller, the last thing you want to hear is that an agent has a system designed to sell your house or an agent has a system for the process of buying. But the truth is it's the only way from a buyer's perspective, it's the only way to carefully organize the situation of buying so that nothing is missed during your due diligence period, uh, during the transactional negotiation period, during the contract writing process, during the key exchange, during subject and condition removals, deposit dates, there's a numerous amounts that you can drop the ball in this industry. And from a buyer's perspective, um, you need systems in place to, to alliterate that program so that it is a flawless process um, so that you don't miss anything. And from a selling perspective, it's, it's a different process, but you still need systems. You know, this market that we're in right now has some, has some challenges on pricing because most people are pricing their property on what happened three months ago. And those prices are not consistent with today's market. So you're, you're having to overcome certain pricing challenges and the aggressive nature of the buyers just isn't the same. So you're continually trying to find unique strategies to market a property um to get to get the deals done to get to get smiley faces and sold signs put up there's no way you can just flounder around on a on a listing and just hope that uh, a buyer brings you know a buyer brings a solution to your listing problem of not selling you need to be creative um and and even though The word systematized and creative is—it's kind of a funny two words to put together. I really feel like the system of being creative to a marketing problem is really what you need. You know, like on a weekly basis, if you've got a listing that's not selling, you need to try and find solutions in a very strategic manner in order to put that listing in front of the right people that are ready to go um, or overcome you know, the issues that you're having with a particular listing. If it's too small, if it's, you know, if it's in a, you know, a dicey neighborhood, if it's in, you know, just those different areas of town that maybe buyers don't want, you need to try and find ways to market to the right crowd, the right people that are willing to, you know, take a purchase in in those subdivisions. So, I mean, that's just one example, but systematizing is pretty going to be a pretty significant part of the process that we're, put through to be successful here. And I just thought I would just run through some of this stuff just because it's interesting to me. I know that the market has a bunch of new agents right now. And um, yeah, if you're a buyer or a seller, you want, really want to make sure if you're pulling the trigger on an agent right now, do they have all the, you know, all the little knickknacks in their toolbox in order to be able to put together transactions in this market. So often people choose an agent because they live down the street or their kids went to school together. And I always harp on people to properly evaluate a bunch of agents before making your selection so that you are getting the individual that you think you're getting or that you want to get. There's a pun here with with, what just happened yesterday on the news with the milk deal, but it's exactly the point and on that note I'm going to step away. You guys take care. I appreciate your ears for the last 24 minutes. And uh next up we're going to have some sti- st- statistical data on what's going on because we got month end coming here and there's there's stats to be uh to be clarified on what's going on in the marketplace. Take care.